grateful to God for how he has been helping us. We have quite a few things to get through today, so God helping us, we will, we will try and move as quickly as we can. But um, I know that God has great things in store for you. Please continue to put your trust in him. The Bible says, they that put their trust in the Lord shall never be put to shame. And so I decree that in your life, you will not be put to shame in the name of Jesus. So you are very welcome to God's presence. And um, by God's grace, we have been on a series of releasing the power for restful increase. Releasing the power for restful increase. This is session number six. To those of you who are joining us online, I say welcome. God bless you. If you don't know about how to follow the series, just go to YouTube and subscribe to LiveGate Outreach TV. All one word. LiveGate Outreach TV. And you can get all the messages from as far back as the year 2015, I believe, on that. And we also have all the messages on audio podcasts dating back to September 2017. All our series are there. You, all the podcasts that you, all the platform of podcasts that you know for sound, for audio, we are there. Just look for LiveGate Outreach Center and you will find us. And so this morning, I just want to remind us, as we look at our banner again, thank you very much for putting that up. We, we are on session number six. God has helped us to look at joy of the Lord, the peace of God, patience, gentleness, and last week we looked at godly perspectives. I cannot, I don't have the time to look at everything we discussed in them. But these are all attributes that are important as we make that journey. The highway signifies our journey towards rest, towards a destination called rest. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, there therefore remains a rest for the people of God. So we are always traveling to our ultimate rest in God, but on the way, God has also so designed it that we have rest. I see the rest that we enjoy in this life as the rest that you kind of enjoy. If you are like me, that uh, stops at almost every service station if he's, if he's driving for three hours. If that's the kind of thing, you stop and rest and stop and rest. So that's the kind of rest that we have in life. But there is an ultimate rest you have when you get to your destination. And for us to be able to enjoy those rests, both the earthly rest and the eternal rest that we have in God, we need to have these things. We need to go by the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, the patience that God said we should walk in and in gentleness. And last week we established very strongly that it is important that we have godly perspectives. If you don't see like God sees, no matter what his promises are for you, you can never enjoy them. We have to learn to see the same way God sees so that we can enjoy what God has in store for us. So we are going to a very important aspect because as you look at these things, they all seem to have a kind of a sequence and a pattern to them. If you see what God is seeing, there's something else you must need to learn how to do. It's good to see what God is seeing. And that is you must need to know how to speak like God speaks. How to declare like God declares. The first thing we heard about God in the book of Genesis is that he spoke. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then, verse 3, the Bible says, and God said. Speaking is a very important thing to God. So important to him that he made Jesus Christ his word. Speaking. 
And believers do not understand the importance of speaking. And we're going to go through scripture today as much as God helps us so that we understand where it is coming from. The theme today is the force of bold declarations. The words are intentionally chosen, bold declarations. So not, we're not just talking about declarations, and we're not just talking about being bold. You have to put the two together. A bold person that cannot declare may die, may die easily in the hands of the enemy. But a bold person that knows how to declare the word of God will always enforce the will of God at every time. The word declaration simply means a formal statement, something that you just made formally, a statement. So when you declare, that is why they would ask you to declare your age, declare something about your status. So you make a formal or explicit statement in a declaration. And boldness is courage. Boldness in itself is courage. Courage to be able to do what you are meant to do or to act.
whoever says to this mountain, be removed and what cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Very important. You speak, you don't doubt. The Bible says when you doubt, you are like a person who is wavering. And he said, let not such a man believe that he will receive anything from the Lord. Many people do not understand why their declarations don't seem to work. When you declare, God looks at your heart. Man may hear what you have said and say you have big faith. But God sees your heart. Whether what you are saying is settled inside you. Because that's where he sees. Those of you that were in the early morning prayer, I think it was Friday or, or so, Thursday, Friday, I was sharing. I said, when Samuel went to pick a king in 1 Samuel 16, God told him, he said, you know what your problem is? You are looking at the outward man. I always look at what? The heart. God's, God's look at us is always at the heart. When he comes into a meeting like this, he's looking at people's hearts. I may only see your faces, and I thank God for the faces I see. That's good. But God is looking at every heart. People who take delivery from God are people who align their hearts with what they are professing and proclaiming. He said, we, you can say, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not. He didn't say, maybe you doubt a little. You just don't doubt. You can't afford to doubt. You have to kill every element of doubt. If you want to be a person that will enjoy the dividends of the word of God in coming into your rest, you must know how to overcome doubt. And the only way is what we said last week. You keep the word of God so stored up inside you. Doubt only comes when you have lost sight of what God can do. As much as you can see that there is a possibility, you cannot doubt. You cannot doubt. If you can see, if you can boldly see the possibility, doubt has no place to exist. The reason why there are still doubts in areas is because we lost sight of what God can truly do. But today, God will be opening our eyes to those areas to overcome indeed in Jesus' name. He said, you shall not doubt in your heart. And in verse 24, verse 24, he said, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe, again, don't doubt, believe that you receive them and you will do what? You will have them. Believe, you will have. Believe, you will have. As simple as these principles may sound, this is where the problem is. Because you see, many times when we pray about a matter, what we do is that we pray and then we start to look at the physical. Let's, let me just pull something at random. Somebody wants to do something, a project, and it's going to cost a lot of money. And then they pray. They're fired up. They pray. They want to believe God to give the way that the money will come so that they can do the project. Good project. Now, as soon as they pray, they are now starting to think, will it be this job I do, or can I, maybe I try that business, or maybe that person will help me. And whilst there is nothing wrong in strategizing, I'm not saying just pray and sit down there and say, God, drop it on my lap. That's not what I'm talking about. But you see, when your reasoning starts to be that of scheming in your own power, and in your own intellect, it is not expressing confidence in God. Now, but when God says to you, now arise, write that email. When God says to you, this is the next step you will take. When God says, this is the next thing you do, and then you are taking those steps, 
you are taking action, you are taking steps in line with the will of God, so it is no longer doubt, but you are now in agreement with what God is saying so that you can have it. They said they have no wine, John chapter 2. They said, Master, we have no wine. He said, fill the water pots with water. Those were actions. They did not take those actions before he spoke. But as they were filling the water pots with water, and as he said, now go back and draw it, and they went back and drew it out, they saw the wine that they needed. That is taking steps in line with what you have believed and taking delivery of what God wants for you. So God is always interested in hearing from us. He is not deaf of hearing, but he's always interested in hearing from us. When he went into the Garden of Eden, after man was created, the Bible says he would go in the cool of the day. And not much was documented about those conversations by Moses, who wrote Genesis. But we knew that God used to converse with Adam and Eve. He used to converse because when they fell, he came, the Bible says, in the cool of the day, and went to the same spot, he meets them, and suddenly, alas, Papa Adam and Mama Eve were nowhere to be found after they sinned, when they went and hid themselves. And he said to them, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And Adam said, I heard your voice, and I hid myself. And then, obviously, we know the rest of the story. God said to him, why have you done what I've not asked you to do? He's always, since that fall, he began to expect a declaration of faith from man continuously. First, a faith for salvation, and then secondly, a faith to continue to be having dominion and living the life that God wants us to live. Isaiah chapter 57 from verse 15. Isaiah chapter 57 from verse 15. The Bible says, for thus says the the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has what? A contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of what? The humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Go straight to verse 19. He said, I create the fruit of the lips. Tell your neighbor for me, God creates the fruit of the lips. Whatever is coming out of your lips are very important. What you are saying about yourself, what you are saying about your children, what you are saying about your spouse, what you are saying about your job, what you are saying about your business, what you are saying about your situation, what you are saying about your parents, anything whatsoever. If you want to see, if you want the right thing created, then you need to make sure that the fruit of your lips are right. You cannot speak wrong consistently and expect to see right. Many people have cursed their children. Many people have cursed their children. Many people have have heaped negative on their spouses for so long that all they are seeing is the same thing. And then they wonder why there is no change. And then they say they are praying, you see. They say, I'm praying to see a change in this, my job. But every day, the confession of the mouth about the job is this is the most useless job in this country. You, you, you wake up early, you come back late. I don't even know why I'm there. I believe I deserve better. And then they are praying for the job to change. And the job continues to deliver the same thing they are saying regularly. 
Many times we don't understand. He said, you, he creates the fruit of the lips. He said, peace, peace to him who is afar off and to him who is near, says the Lord. He said, when you speak peace, you expect him to act and manifest peace. He said, when you say so, that he will come and he will heal. That means he will come and do exactly that which you are speaking. So hence our faith must be expressed in the heart and then declared verbally. Our faith must be expressed first in the heart and declared verbally. Romans chapter 10, from verse 9 and 10. The Bible makes us to understand that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Our salvation starts with a belief in our heart that Jesus is Lord Revelation 3.20, the Bible says he stands at the door of every man and is knocking. That anyone who opens for him, he will come in and sup with them and they, they will sup with him. So he goes for our heart first, like I said. But the moment your heart has a connection to him, your mouth must confess. He said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Look at verse 10. Let's read verse 10 together. For with the heart, let's read it together now. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You cannot say, I believe in my heart, and not be confessing with your mouth. This is why it is important. The confession is not just something. You make an open confession of it. You make a bold declaration of your faith. Many believers are afraid to make the confession today, and that is why they are finding their salvation experience a bit uh, unsure. You, if you cannot confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you cannot confess with your mouth that you are a child of God, you are not completing the process of your salvation very well. What you believe in your heart, and all you need to do is to check what you believe in your heart. You cannot have an assurance of something in your heart and not find it easy to confess it. The fear and the worry of not confessing is because there is still an uncertainty in what we believe. You have to assure yourself that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, whoever asks you, so that when you confess with your mouth, you can allow your salvation to truly take root. So we must be boldly declaring God's faithfulness. Psalm 35, the Bible says in verse 27, he said, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Let them say continually. They don't say it once at salvation. They say it continually. Every day you wake up, you say it, I'm a child of God. You say, Lord, thank you for making me your child. Thank you for the things you are doing in my life. Thank you for the greater tomorrow that awaits me. I am blessed today. You say those things about yourself. The Bible says, let them say continually. And you know what the Lord be magnified means? You are putting God first. You are putting God bigger. You are making God who he is in relation to the challenges that you are facing. There are many challenges that will, will keep coming your way as long as you are in this world. Take it from me. You can never ever, we can never exhaust the list of challenges that are available till we leave this world. But you say continually, the Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. The Bible says because he has pleasure in your prosperity. And then verse 28, the psalmist says, And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. 
I want us to know, friends, that the power in the tongue of a believer is plenty. I say it again. I'm not just talking about positive confession that psychologists tell us about. That is good, but this is not what we're talking about. This is not just about positive. Anybody can confess positively. Anybody can. And at times, when you just speak naturally like that, there's a way you can psychologically pump yourself up to believe what you are saying. Without God at all, this has nothing to do with God because you are saying it. You, haven't you seen people who say, I cannot be sick? And they, know, they don't know anything about what Jesus Christ did on the cross. They say, I can't be sick. I will not be sick. I, will, I refuse to be sick. And they will not be sick. <laughs> he doesn't know God. He doesn't know anything. Just riding on the mercies of God. And somehow, his, his, his immune system are hearing him. <laughs> because, yes, there is power in speech. But you see, all that amounts to nothing if you don't allow the Spirit of God to be resident in you so that you can actually have the true dividend of faith that God wants us to have. In our Bible reading, those of you that joined later uh, or are watching online, um, in our Bible reading today, we read from 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we read from verse 31 to verse 47, just a little bit of the encounter of young David when he faced Goliath. One of the most popular uh, stories of scripture, but yet one of the most powerful. Inexhaustible. I was looking at the story again yesterday and seeing things that I'd never seen in all my years of study of, this, of the verse, of the, of the scripture. We're going to take some principles from there, what I call the principles of bold declaration that David showed us. Just in a few of the verses, there are so many things we can learn, but I want to concentrate on just what David taught us about bold declaration in that place. So if we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, the very first thing is that David taught us to keep declaring victory over fear. Look at what he said in verse 32. Let's read together. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now before this time, just to give it a bit of context and to remind us, before this time, there were two camps. The camp of the Philistines, they were in a place called Sokoth, and then the, the Israelites who were with Saul were in a place called Elah. And these two people stood on opposing mountains and were basically shouting at each other. Then Goliath was the tallest of the Philistines. He was an unusual man. The Bible says he was about nine, he was about six cubits, which was interpreted to be about nine feet. That is about three meters. Three meters. To put it in context, your average room in this country is about 2.4 meters. Yeah? Just to put it in context. Architects, yeah? Am I correct? Yeah? So between floor and ceiling, not in this kind of place, in your room, in your house, most of the time, they're about 2.4. So if Goliath comes into your house, he'll have to do like this. His, his, this neck will be what is touching this, your ceiling. So you can understand how tall he was. Okay? Now, here was David, young man. David, we were told, is not... And he was not a tall person. <clears throat> but he was a person who had uh, the, the fear of God. And the Bible says concerning him, when he got to the place. Now, there are some things we skip in this story. This is 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. David had been anointed to become king in 1 Samuel chapter 16. So the man we were seeing there was already being maltreated. He was already being 
are, are rubbished by people that should love him. First, from his own father. His father was there when he witnessed the, the, the ceremony by, by, by Samuel. When Samuel said, we will not sit down until you bring the small one. They brought him in. He said, arise, ah, anoint him, for that is he. And they anointed him. His father was there. His father was there when they sent for him. And they said, come and be playing instrument for, for King Saul when he had a, a, a terrible spirit. So everybody knew that this guy. And every time David played, the evil spirit will leave. So David had already made a mark in a way. But he was still being intimidated by people. His father was still sending him on errands. His father had no regard for all those things. I'm saying this because, you see, some of us do not understand that until we learn not to respond to the way people treat us and circumstances treat us, we hold ourselves down. David did not mind all those things. Even King Saul, that he used to play for and evil spirits will leave him, was also as you will see in the story, was also trying to talk him down from fighting. But the worst was his father and his own brothers, especially Eliab. Three of his brothers were there, Eliab, uh, Abinadab, and one called Shammah. That's the funniest one. His name means present. Shammah means present. But he was not present in the battle at all. <laughs> he ran away. <laughs> Shammah ran away when he saw Goliath. <laughs> That was the one I remember. I said, your name means present. The Goliath came, you ran away. So which kind of presence are you? <laughs> Only Jehovah Shammah will ever be present for you. Hallelujah. That's why his name is Jehovah Shammah. Always present God. Psalm 46 verse 1. But the truth is that David had many reasons to have been bitter, to have been negative, to have been feeling inferior because of all the things that had been meted him. They now, his father now said to him, take food to these people. Listen, the father was very clever. There was a battle. He sent his eldest three children. There were eight of them. He sent his eldest three children. Like I mentioned their names, Eliab, Abinadab, and, uh, uh, and Shama. And David was not sent there at all. David was, as usual, sent to go and take care of sheep. The same thing that happened when they sent for him to anoint him. They said, just carry it on. So it means all that anointing, all the, they didn't believe it. They didn't see anything about it. Because if you truly believe that this guy is going to be the, 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 the next king of Israel, you will prime him. You will make sure that he's no more doing trivial things. When he was to send somebody to go and feed the, the, the first three brothers, he didn't send the fourth one. He went for David again. That one that is seen like an errand boy. I'm painting the picture as graphically as I can paint them so that we don't think that the man who was declaring boldly, the man called David, who was declaring boldly was from a position of strength. In the natural, David was from a position of defeat, a position of reject, a position of failure, if you would like, if I, if you, if I can use it. He was in a position of intimidation. He was in a position of rejection, a position of, 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 of maltreatment, everything negative. Because when we talk about David, many times what we think is, oh, it's David the bold, David the courageous, and, and which is all true. But you need to understand a little bit better about the context he was making those declarations so that you can see that you and I have no excuse whatsoever. We are ten times, if not many more times, privileged than David was in this context. So in that verse 32, David said to Saul, when Saul said to him that they were going to, that nobody was there to fight the person. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and he will do what? Fight these Philistines. 
you must learn to conquer fear. Fear has no exit point. The day you are born into this world, you will continue to be confronted with fear of all kinds, different types, different times, till we meet Jesus. It's not a curse. If anybody ever tells you that you will come to a place where no fear confronts you, I didn't say that you will be, you will be overcome by fear. I'm talking about being confronted by fear. Fear knows your level. He knows your level. He knows what you have conquered so far. And he knows what next to bring that you have not seen before. He knows everything. Say so you will, you will, he said, let no man's heart fail because of him. He said, your servant will go and fight with these Philistines. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, he said, in the last days, men's hearts will fail them because of fear. Many people will be afraid to take steps because of fear. We must not be in that group of people who continue to succumb to fear. Fear doesn't just necessarily mean something that comes to try to intimidate you and try to make you not do something. At times, something good can make you fearful. I've, I've talked many times about how people are afraid to succeed. People are afraid to, to succeed. People are afraid to embrace new levels. People are given the offer of promotions and fear makes them feel this will expose me and I'm afraid to take it and they pass them and take somebody else. People are afraid to do things. People are afraid to take challenges that can expose them. Goliath was an exposure of David. Goliath was set by God to bring David to the limelight of the whole of Israel. David said, let no man's heart fail him. I will defeat him. May God continue to give us the boldness to declare victory over every fear. In the name of Jesus. The first thing you need to do is to recognize that something is trying to make you afraid. How do you know it? When you hear that, it can be a still, it can be a gentle voice that just says, are you sure? It can be somebody that you love that comes to tell you that, are you sure you can do this? It can be anything. It can be somebody that really is, you can see clearly, is an opposer and they intimidate you. So you need to be sensitive in the spirit to know when the enemy is suggesting to you that you should be afraid. And when you sense it, you must declare victory. You must say, my heart will not fail because of this thing. I will go and fight this Philistine. But you must believe that God is on your side. Hallelujah. The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31. If God be for us, who can be against us? Let us continue to declare our victory over fear. Fear does not go until you declare. The more you declare, the more you, you get him to vanish. Fear does not live easily. As I said, he knows your level. When you overcome him at this level and you move to your next level, he comes at that level again with another suggestion. There are some things now that has never been brought your way because you are not yet at that level. You are not yet at that level. If you have never had, if, if your children are still of school age and you, are, you take them to school and bring them back and everybody is still within your kitty every time, every time, every time. You can't be afraid of one going somewhere and getting stabbed in the night. You can't be afraid of that because you are not yet at that level. But you can be afraid of him falling at the, at the playground. You can be afraid of things happening in the school. That's a level. But when you, when you manage to overcome that fear and then the, the child now comes to a point of independence and they are now on their own and they are, they are doing things. The devil is crazy. Last year, a dear, dear, dear friend of mine, very senior friend of mine, very, very senior friend of mine, about 13, 14 years older than me, but a man I respect so much. He's a professor. He's also from Nigeria. Last year, I was in London. I was doing something in London about this time last year. 
And um, I came out of a meeting and I was about to take a train to come back and somebody rang me. He said, David, there's some bad news. I said, well, what's the bad news? And he mentioned my friend's name and he said, his son just drowned in the Thames. I said, what? This is a 34-year-old son. I broke down in tears in front of the tube station and the, everybody looked at me and was one. I mean, I could get emotional. I'm sure some of you know that, but I, 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 I froze in my tracks. And do you know something? For weeks, the devil started to make me afraid for my own children. I'm David Oloke talking to you, <laughs> okay? Nobody is telling you this story. I am telling you myself. Last year, August 2019, the devil started to tell me about, and then for some reason, all the news I heard then, this one was stabbed in the park and that one, everything was just aligning. The devil is mad. <laughs> So one day I said to him, I said, my children are marked. Wherever they go, they are saved. They are covered in the name of Jesus. Since that day, when anybody said they are going, I say, bye. <laughs> God bless you. Bye. <laughs> Hallelujah. The devil can use anything. That kind of fear, like I said, never came to me 10 years ago because they were much younger. So you need to learn how to deal with it. It was a very tough one for my friend, but we thank God, God comforted, God consoled, God knows all. It's one of those questions for me in life that I will always have that I really cannot explain. Good godly people, lovely family, young man just got married, just getting on with life, and here it is. But we have to be strong, hallelujah. We have to be strong. Number two, David said something, verse 34. Let's go to verse 34. He said, declare your testimonies. He said, uh, I, I say my point, declare your testimonies and continued confidence in God. This is what point number two is. Declare your testimony and you have continued confidence in God. Declare them boldly. Look at what David said to Saul. He said, your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, verse 35, I went out after it. Somebody said, I went out after it. Very, very important point. He said, I went out after it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. I went out after it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, and when it arose against me, I did what? I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Those of you that read it saw how very well read, I will say it was when Pastor Lola was reading it. He said, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. That is to say, I had a victory before. And in verse 37, let's read verse 37 together. He said, moreover, the Lord, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Whether he meant that or not, we don't know. We will find out when we get to heaven. David will tell us, don't worry, he didn't mean it. <laughs> don't mind him, he was just talking. <laughs> anyway, that's a joke. But you know, that's not the important thing. The important thing there is that the Bible says, the Lord who delivered me. Now listen, I just described how tall Goliath was. I don't think any lion is as big as that. 
I don't think any bear is as big as that. Bears can be very tall as well, but to, to, to be uh, nine feet or three meters in height will probably be very, very rare. What I'm trying to say is that the testimony that David was comparing to what he had was not in physical terms comparable. How many people understand what I'm talking about? It looked like a small testimony compared to the size of what he's looking at now. And I want you to learn a principle from that. It is not the size of what God has done for you before compared to what he's what you are confronting now that matters, but the fact that it is God. You should clap for that. (laughs) You should clap for that. Hallelujah. Always remember, it is not the fact that all you were looking for then to do that, that to attend to that serious problem only needed 500 pounds. I just use money because people can relate to money very well. That only needed 500 pounds, but now we are talking 50,000. And God, who gave you 500? The devil will tell you, but that was only 500. How do you think he will do 50? Forget about that. If it is God, somebody say with me, if it was God that gave the 500, he is more than able to give the 50,000. So you have nothing to fear. Always remember, the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. David said, this is what it was. The bear came, the lion came, I defeated them. I know that God would deliver them, deliver this Philistine into my hand. So it is very important that we continue to declare like this, not looking at what lies ahead. As I said over and over, bigger challenges will confront us in life. Let us be confident to stay on the God who has delivered us in time past. I, God help me, God helped me from a tender age to learn how to document and keep good record of the things that God has done for me. I have this very, very unusual, I will say, and uh, gift, I will say, to, to remember things. From, a very, from about age four, I can remember many things. Just about this time last year, about a year ago, I, I was with my mother. My mother is 84 years old now, and I was with her back in Nigeria and I was saying to her, that that your friend, that I heard that she's, di- she's dead now. She said, who is that? I don't know, my mom is very sound. My parents are still very sound to the glory of God. They, 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 not that there's any problem with their memory or that kind of thing. But I mentioned a friend of hers that I knew they were so close then. This was back in the late 70s. And I said, I heard she's, di- she's dead. And did you hear that? And she was like, which of them is this? And it took her like five minutes and then when she remembered, she said, how on earth did you remember this person? Because you were barely seven years old. I said, yeah. I said, I remember those things. But I find that if God helps you and you're able to remember the doings of God, use it positively. The downside of it is that you have to purge yourself of bad things because that's how you remember bad things as well. <laughs> so you need discipline to know how to purge yourself of the bad things. <laughs> you will remember bad things as well. So I'm not saying that it just happens naturally that you, you will remember the bad things as well. People who told you in primary school that your head is too big, you will never forget. <laughs> the same way you remember the teacher who told you, this young boy, you will become an engineer. And you remember where they told you. The same way you will remember the other one who told you you are the most useless person. So you have to know how to keep separating your thoughts, and destroying those things that are not helping you. But those things that have mattered in your life, keep remembering them and keep bringing them up. 
keep bringing them up because they will keep foiling you in your testimonies. May God continue to help us in Jesus' name. Number three point, declare your freedom from carnality. David taught us that in verse 39. The Bible says David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk. This is after God, after Saul gave him his armor to walk in. He said he tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. So David took them off. The Bible says we should cast off every filthiness. We should cast off every carnality. You see, at times, carnality doesn't always appear like a bad thing. If you look at it on the surface, Saul's armor, the king's armor, is the safest protection that will be in town. It's the safest gear that anybody should go to war with at that point in time. The king of Israel. And you know, Israelis have been very tactical with war for many, many years till date. Very gifted people in the art of war and intelligence and those kind of things. You can't beat them to it. So I imagine that Saul's armor was state of the art at that point in time. It was something that could be dependable. And out of respect, David put it on. He put it on. But he said, I have not tested them. Just not to sound rude to Saul, to say this is useless, basically. <laughs> so he told him in a very polite way, I have not tested them. I can't work with them. What am I trying to say? You have to declare your freedom from carnality. Carnality doesn't necessarily mean things that are bad, but things that are fleshly and not of God. David still used tools. David didn't just go and say, in the name of the Lord, I curse you, and just those words. He still used tools. He still used his slingshot. We know that with the stones, five smooth stones, shot one to his head and so But that was the weapon approved by God. When the Bible says the weapon of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold, we need to understand that doesn't mean that they are all fluffy things. At times, the weapon is something that is in your hand already, physical thing. It's, at times, it's a skill that God has given you, and he will say, write it this way or approach this person this way. That is still the weapon. We need to know how, but we have to keep making the declarations solid. The Bible says, he said, I cannot work with this, for I have not tested them. It is important that we continue to make sure. In the year 2006, I had only spent six years in this country at that time, having left my home country, Nigeria, in 2000. And uh, I, was having, I was living the life of a 28, 29, 30-year-old, just barely 30 in Nigeria. I really was enjoying it. My wife and I were just newly married, and it was really nice. Late 90s, we had two cars. I've told you that story so many times. Had a had a life. Most most people our age really envied us. I would travel to France and travel Netherlands, Israel, and come back, and you know those kind of things. And those things tripped people my age that time back back at home. And the job was good. I would have you know flights waiting. I'll have drivers waiting for me in some of our domestic airports in Nigeria in the north. Uh, there was a day, two drivers were waiting for me. I was in between meetings. One driver waited in a place called Kanu, about 1,000 uh, kilometers away from Lagos, and another one was waiting. And I was only 28 years old. <laughs> so, I mean, that was the life. <laughs> but suddenly, God said, you are leaving your home country, and I'm taking you out to minister my word in a unique way. And so, it was something I had to take a step. So, I left everything, we left everything, and we came to this country. And God helped us. We started virtually all over again. And we started to build up gradually. And then I finished my PhD and got a job at the university. What more could be, what could be so secure? What could be much better? What could, what could anybody who was at that point 30, 
five years old, thereabouts. Well, what more would they wish in life? That's it. You're settled and then that's it. You're settled in this country and enjoy your life and go. But around about 2006, God opened a way for me to go into industry and work. It was like a big risk. And the devil came and told me that this is the thing that will sink you. This one, you cannot, you don't know this country. You have experience from Nigeria, you will fail. You will be exposed. And to crown it all, one of my mentors that I respected, he's also a professor uh, in one of our universities here, very senior, senior academic, one of our leading top lights, uh, again from my background in Nigeria, called me, said, David, are you sure? Are you sure? Engineering in this country is very different from our country. <laughs> I remember that statement from him. And I said to him, God is ordering my steps this way, and I believe he will help me. It was a bold step. I was still on a work visa. If I failed in that job, it meant I might lose my visa, and whatever happens, family may have to go back home. But to cut the long story short, that was one of, I count that as one of the best decisions God helped me to take ever since I came to this country. Because I went to industry for three and a half years, and God used that experience to change my life consolidated me in the consulting sector in this country, and then gave me the audacity and the confidence by his special grace to be practicing the way I practice today, despite now being back fully in academia. But you see, if I listened to those voices then, and I didn't make those bold declarations against them, I don't know what would have become of my life. Learn to understand how to free yourself from the things that want to keep you down. At times it's good, at times it's somebody you love. They just say, are you sure? And if you don't know what you're doing, you say, actually, I'm not sure. <laughs> but when God has spoken to you and you are sure, just assure them, the Lord. Always remember it's about the Lord. The Lord will help me. I said, the Lord will help you. I said, the Lord will help you in the name of Jesus. Final point, declare your victory over the enemy's threats. There is something called the threat of the enemy. It doesn't end. Just like fear comes, there is a threatening voice that actually tells you it's going to destroy you. This is what happened in verse 44 when David and Goliath were confronting each other. The Philistines said, somebody say the Philistines said. So this was not an imagination of David. Live words being spoken directly to him. He said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistines, verse 45, come on now, verse 45. David said to the Philistines, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. And verse 46, he said, this day, the Lord will deliver you. Somebody say bold declaration. Somebody said, I'm about to kill you now. And then you are saying to the person, I will kill you. And then I will even do much more than killing you. <laughs> I will give your bird. I will give. He said, this day the Lord will deliver your, you into my hand. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And if you read the story on, David was actually carrying the head about. He even took it to the, temp, to the palace at a point. <laughs> when Saul called him. David is very funny. Saul called him that, where is that man? And he appeared with the head of Goliath in his head. <laughs> at times, you need to look at some of those details, and then you know that God has a sense of humor as well. What is he doing with the head? He should just go and bury it. No, the man was carrying it about the whole place. <laughs> this is Goliath's head. 
has a very funny story about uh, Moses' head in, in Egypt. One, one guy that went to Egypt to, to <laughs> on, a, on a holiday with his, uh, with his uh, son. So they were about to be swindled by these people who sell souvenirs. You know, when you go on a trip, be very careful. People tell you they are selling historical facts and uh, things, artifacts. So this guy came and he saw this call in this person's shop and he said, what? He said, What's this? Why, is, why is this call doing here? The guy said, oh, that was, that was Moses' call. Moses, you mean you have Moses' call in Egypt? He said, ah, that is it. We've been waiting to sell it since, if you are ready. <laughs> the man said, wonderful, wonderful. I can't believe what I'm seeing. And you know some people are so gullible. He said, I can't believe this. Moses' call. Wow. <laughs> Then, just when he was about to pay, I don't know what they negotiated, maybe $10,000 or something. Just when he was about to pay, and the man saw that the business was, the seller saw that this business was booming. He said, look at this other skull as well. The man said, another skull. He said, who is that one? He said, that's Moses when he was young. <laughs> Since you like Moses' skull. <laughs> Thank God, that's what delivered the man from <laughs> Somebody said he came to his senses. <laughs> If not, he would have bought two, two skulls of Moses. <laughs> it is when he reaches his house and he will say, what is this one? What is wrong with me? How many heads did Moses have? <laughs> so yeah, David was carrying Goliath's head all over the place because God gave it to him. Go back to verse 46, thank you. The same way God, he said he would do it. He said, I will take your head from you. And God helped him. How many things do you need to talk to that you will take their head off them. I'm not talking about people. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm on the internet. <laughs> if somebody chops another person's head tomorrow in the office, they say, why did you do it? He say, I went to a church. That pastor said, chop the head. <laughs> and I was tired of that woman, so I just, <laughs> I beg of you, I'm not talking about people. But I'm talking about things that have been threatening you. Go back to verse 45. Things that have been threatening you for too long. He said, you, David said, you come to me, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Take your roots from God. When you have a line manager or somebody that is difficult to deal with, go into your closet. You don't, have, you don't need to confront them to the face because that may not be wise enough. Go to your closet and take off the head in spirit. What I mean by that is stop that action. Refuse them from doing it anymore. Seize their peace until they become peaceful with you. The Bible says the heart of every king is in the hand of the Lord. Why don't you call their name and say, Lord, this is the tormentor. This person is making work difficult for me. And it's not the person, it's the devil working in the person. You know that. He said, but Lord, today I arrest their peace until they stop cooperating with that spirit of the enemy. Believe me. When you walk into the office the next day, the person will see you say, hello. <laughs> when you see that, just know a lot of things have happened. Hallelujah. The more we declare, the more we are able to see. We just have to pray. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. The Bible says, they, they said, now, Lord, look to their threats. Look, this is a threat. Lord, look to their threats and grant to your servant that we may speak with all boldness that we may keep speaking your word. Look to, your, look to their threats, O Lord. 
And God answered them. The Bible says in verse 31, where they prayed, began to shake. Where they prayed, began to shake. Verse 31. Verse 31. Where they prayed, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled were shaken. Why? Because the Lord, do you see, why did you think David, God came for David? Because he said the Lord of the hosts. He called the armies of Israel, not the armies of Saul. He said the armies of the Lord. Everything moved God. They decide, the apostles prayed. They said, Lord, behold their threatenings. We need you to give us boldness so that we can declare your word, not so that they can know that we are Christians. Give us boldness so that we can declare your word. Hallelujah. And God, the Bible says, when he had that, where they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. When I was to start ministry in 2013, I heard all kinds of voices, physical and spiritual. Spiritual voices telling me, you can't make it. How can you do it? You walk like this. You travel like... I used to travel a lot. At times, five times in a year, I would have flights booked already. Every time, traveling, traveling. How can such a person be a pastor of a church? I was really, really concerned. And then I was hearing physical voices as well. I, called, I was called all manner of names by certain people and things like that. Many voices, many voices. But I remember the same way I prayed. I said, Lord, you called me into this. I told you I did not need a job, but you told me it's an assignment, and I'm embracing the assignment now. Grant me boldness. Grant me the courage. Ever since that day, when I stood, I stood on this pulpit on a Friday, that was August the 30th, for three hours. We were to have the inauguration on August 31, the Saturday. August the 30th, I stood here and preached and sang and led people for prayers. Three hours, I did not sit down. And as I stepped to that place, God said, I have put on you the anointing of irresistibility. He said, I've empowered you for the task. That is why I sleep, I wake up when I want to sleep and wake up. I'm at rest because he's with me. You can be at rest because he's with you. David was at rest because God was with him. You need to learn this and stay with God. The more you trust God, the more you will see him move. The Bible says in Acts chapter 19 verse 20, so the word of the Lord grew mightily. Acts 19.20, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The word of God will grow mightily and prevail on your behalf. In the name of Jesus, let's rise to our feet and let's talk. Well, well.